welcome everyone to a very exciting episode of the Scruffy Stuff. We have a Deem the Artist here live at the Knox News office today. They're going to kick things off with a song. So whenever you're ready, Adeem, you can take it away. Started out as a light in my father's eye at a Texaco. Mama was working overnights on Sam Wilson Road. She was a madcap teenager runaway. A year past graduation, she was new in town and he was burning down. Place with infatuation, she fired a red hot buckshot distress calls across the parking lot. A rebel reeling from the feeling of rooting around for a little repose. They chase sunrise, moonshine after tussling and muttering secrets all night. Started out as a light, Caroline. Started out as a light, Caroline. I started out as a light of mother's eye many years ago. In the numbing fires of live wires. In foster homes From my granddad's grip To my mother's lip There's an ancestral impression An American inheritance Trauma and depression She fired a red hot Buckshot distress calls Across the parking lot Rebel reeling from the feeling Of rooting around For a little repose They chase sunrise Moonshine after tussling and muttering secrets all night. Started out as a light, Caroline. I started out as a light, Caroline. From the birth canal, from the whistle of emergency sirens, you got. A lot of skins to wear as you try to figure out who you are. It don't matter what people say, don't expect them to understand. Ain't nobody someone else's mistake. Life is not always the things you plan. Some of us have childhoods that aren't poems on sight. But darling, you're doing all right. That's <laughs> weird, All right, I'm back. You all should be on the other. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you joining us. We've been doing this podcast, I guess, for three years, and you were one of the first ever episodes that we had. Oh, I don't know if wow. you realized that, but it was back when you were doing the Crafty Bastard singing beer deliveries. Yeah, so yeah. I think the podcast and the Demon Artists have both come a long way <laughs> since yeah. then. But it's been crazy to watch um, you know, just the success and the growth over the uh, over the past few months um, that you've seen. And haven't asked about COVID-19 in a long time to an artist, but yeah. it seemed like to me, I mean, around that time when we were talking before, it was really when... Um, your music was really starting to take off and, and resonate with people. And a lot of people were 
you know, finding creative ways to, to get things done, like singing beer deliveries and, um, you know, sort of your persona that you had on Instagram. It's not a persona. You'd be, you know, being yourself on Instagram and, and talking directly with people and doing these live and virtual shows. I guess just um, can you talk a little bit about just the complexity of that timing where it seems like, you know, you're really starting, like I said, to resonate with people and then everything gets shut down. What was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, me and my, my wife, uh, Hannah, Hypa Hanny, she's an artist in town. And um, I don't know, we're both just scrappy artist types. That's why we came to Knoxville, you know, it was cheap living. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I don't know, you know, when you have a, when you have a creative, uh, creative mind and uh, clinical depression, which are a couple of things we have, uh, then uh, day jobs aren't always the best uh, situation to be in, you know, the, the, um, the entire atmosphere was, was, was not great for us in any of the work environments that we were in. So we were kind of used to like, I can't work here anymore, so we're gonna have to rough it for a while. <laughs> you know, let's, let's find creative ways to peddle our crap. Um, so I think the pandemic was just kind of like, I don't know, we, were, we had been practicing for that for years, <laughs> you know? So it just became like, all right, cool, it's time to get whimsical and figure out how we're gonna survive this thing. Um, you know, from a financial standpoint, from a from a health standpoint, we were bleaching our groceries and doing. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you yeah. know, talking about some of those creative things, not the bleaching your groceries, but the 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 you know just the the singing beer deliveries, right? And I keep bringing that one up, but there there was so much. I mean, the pandemic happens. You come out with pandemic days. The tiger situation here in Knoxville comes out. You come out with the Tiger King. Oh, that was the Tiger yeah. Prince. <laughs> yeah, uh, the not Tiger, tiger King. But I mean, um, and then just thinking about this new album, right? Am I correct in saying that this was partially a crowdfunded album? Yeah, too, right? it was fully crowdfunded. And so I wanted to ask about that too, because I think there's been a belief for a long time that if you wanted to make it in music in Knoxville, it might mean making that move over to Nashville. And then maybe in Knoxville, it's hard to get right. things done. Um, but you found a unique way to, to do that and make it happen while living here. And I'm wondering just your thoughts on that, on that belief that I've heard before um, and just really about sort of how this organically came together um, and how, I mean, just sort of the outside the box ways that you thought about getting this album done. Mm. I don't know. That's a good, that's a good question. I haven't thought a lot about, I mean, I don't think, I don't give a lot of credence to the, you have to move to Nashville to succeed thing. Um, but it is true. There are a lot of, um, there are a lot of natural obstacles, I think, to doing music in Knoxville. We are a football town. We are a sports-oriented yes. community. Um, the the music scene is vibrant. There are a lot of great players here. There are a lot of great uh, listeners here. But but socially, I think the community of listeners in Knoxville is built around um, sort of social events with music as a background situation. That's how I made most of my money here um, before the pandemic was kind of being the the brown-eyed girl player at the, at the right. brewery i was um, saying i think whenever we talked last time it was the captain Red captain beard, redbeard right? yeah 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 a throwback yeah yeah um well and and i'm curious about the writing process on this album too because that song you just played i think i've told you before is, is one of my favorite songs and i think i first heard it uh back um going back to pandemic times the second bell sofa soiree there was oh, the yeah. i heard that song for the first time and then i you know this album's released and i listened to it and the opening song is Carolina, a new version of it, but you know, yeah. the song that I was already familiar with. And I'm curious about the writing process of this new album. If this was something that was in the works for a long time, or if this was something, hey, I'm going to sit down with this, you know, and make a crowdfunded album today, or how much of it was, you know, just 
I don't want to say borrowed material, it's all your material, but how much of it was already sure. written before you went into that writing and recording process? Yeah, that's a great question. This was the album I've been working on for a while um, before the pandemic happened, um, for sure. I think probably a little over half the record was written at that point, and I really didn't believe like that I had what I needed to actualize it in the way that it needed to be actualized. I imagined what I wanted the record to be, and I knew that I couldn't do it um, independently because I do a lot of my own recording. Um, so Cast Iron Pansexual was uh, an, an absolute surprise success to me. Um, I had no ambition. I wasn't even going to release it until a couple weeks before it came out. Really? Why, just, why not? It was for Patreon supporters. It was like a, a special thing for people who fo followed me on there. Oh, okay. So I was just going to give it to them. And then I, I, I gave it to a few of them and they were like, this is really good. You should put it out. And so I released it and then... Um, yeah, we got lucky. Uh, Toby Keith did something dumb. I don't know. He got he got a, some kind of medal from the the president that a lot of people didn't like. Right. And uh, <laughs> and so it became a good time to release the Toby Keith song just by accident. Yeah. Um, and then uh, B.J. Barham from American Aquarium heard that, so things started kind of moving as far as tour dates and stuff for me, and that was nice. But. Um, I really, I've been reading, uh, there's this artist, her name's Karen Pittleman. She's got a band called Karen and the Sorrows. It's incredible. Really, really lovely. Um, and she wrote this, she's written a series of essays, but there's one in particular about the culture of country music that really, really moved me, um, where she talked a lot about the stories that get told, the stories that don't get told, the narratives that are perpetuated, what it says about the, the culture. Because, um, you know, a lot of people who don't live in and of the American South, you know, like, it's very easy to distill it to like a very myopic view of the type of person that lives here, but we're actually a very vibrant and culturally diverse right. <laughs> collective of folks, you know? Um, and so I really wanted to spend time on, on music that unpacked some of the, some of the things that brought me to where I am. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I took, I took some of those songs that have been waiting this record that was largely about deconstructing my childhood my southern identity the ways that it affected me for the positive and the negative um and then kind of had these topics i wanted to cover that just rolled out so it came out i think we had 13 songs for the record and whittled it down to 11. there were two that they said these are two of the same song <laughs> right They're both good though <laughs> well i would love to hear another one either something off the the new album brown eyed girl whatever it is that you would yeah, want to yeah, play do brown -eyed girl, uh, but if you want to take it away we'd love to hear another one <laughs> Me and Judas down on Sixth and Lowry Outside a cafe when the moonlight fell Cast itself down, pouring out on a city. What a pity when something so beautiful wastes itself. <laughs> I took a pool from my woodpipe as the taxi cabs drove by. Full of college age women in drag. Yeah, they're all wearing costumes and they all look like children. And they're blowing us kisses as they pass. I wondered what in the hell 
in this world could compel any creature to smile on a pair like we were. He had short, neat curls that was shadow black, and I was fumbling around with the weather app, wondering if he could ever love me back. Sometimes these things are hit or miss. With the perfume trail lingering behind, I caught an urge in the nerve to take his hand in mine. And if it didn't rain at the perfect time, it's probable we wouldn't have kissed. In the Northeast, Minneapolis, Arts District. He whispered, I'm not the kind lie about leaving with me clinging so tight to his chest in a notebook on the rough hewn walnut stand by his mattress scrawled off made him cursive myth and then i never called anyone kept it quiet inspired by the urgency of the love we share some of our friends say i'm still alive and others don't believe i was ever really anywhere gave my body and blood power of love hope that I would conquer sin but I never even rose again he had short neat curls that were shadow black and I was fumbling around with the weather out wondering if he could ever love me back sometimes these things are hit or miss with a perfume trail lingering behind I caught an urge in the nerve to take his hand in mine. And if it didn't rain at the perfect time, it's probable we wouldn't have kissed. In the Northeast, Minneapolis, Arts District. Then in the light of a wasteful moon so familiar, Sold me out for some pieces of silver Still I love the feel of your lips And I never wanted more than this To kiss you in public To openly say that I loved it I write this down for Judith Oh, our love, this was for Judith. It's got kind of a slow fade. Almost there. So I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, a lot of, not a lot, but some musicians out there, and I'm talking people that are just aspiring to be a professional musician, want to see music as a career. Some people want to take it a step further and want to have the fame and fortune that comes with being a musician. And some people uh, just are fine playing at home or whipping out a guitar around a, a campfire, even though nobody wants them to, kind of like me. Uh, but the, uh, <laughs> the the question I have is, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you've been doing this and this meaning 
singing songwriting for more than two decades right i mean how long how long has it been would you say yeah pretty close pretty close my first ep came out in 04 so we're getting close so I, I, the big question i have is sort of why now because it seems like there has been um you know uh, an appreciation and a recognition um that you haven't received before for your work and i'm curious if it's something that you particularly or personally did to try to take it that step further it was just right people at the right time heard i know you said american aquarium um heard that that song that you released or is it some sort of combination of the both i guess what is why is 2022 would you say has is, is been such a big year for a deemed artist i got really lucky man i mean i joke and say i finally did a good one <laughs> you know but there's some truth in that too i mean it's an album that took me you know, probably six, seven years to write all together, you know, to get it, to get it what, it, what it is. Um, you know, we made a lot of, made a lot of decisions. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of mechanisms in the industry um, that are as simple as, uh, you know, hiring a publicist and hiring a radio campaign and hiring people to do different things and having, you know, those connections. So um, there were probably like 50 decisions that I made for this album. Um, and, and I could go through them, but the truth is, you know, with, with anything that you do, it's always, it's always a little bit of a crapshoot, you know, if the president had gotten assassinated on December 2nd, <laughs> I don't know the white trash rubbery would have made a splash at all. You know what I mean? It's, you're at the mercy of so many different factors. Um, and so I think, I think in a lot of ways, you know, I, I, it's a moment where there's a lot of work that needs to be done within the culture of country music that a lot of people are paying attention to for the first time. And I'm addressing a lot of those issues. I'm addressing a lot of that work. Um, I, I would say in a way that is not patronizing. You know, I didn't make a record to, to uh, paint myself as one of the woke whites <laughs> who's gonna save the country or anything like that. I made a record to try and um, as compassionately as possible, like really reflect on like, all right, where have I come from? Like, you know, when racism's an issue that I tackle on this record a lot. And, and my feelings about it are very much that racism is not a, um, a thing that you get beyond as a white person in America and suddenly like championed and now you're one of the good people, you know, it's, it's, it's really, sewn into the fabric of our culture and our society, you know, in, in ways that, that many of us don't even recognize. And that's why we take umbrage with the, with the accusation that we're doing of perpetuating racism. I think that um, one thing that's really important to me is to strip away the facade. You know, I'm, I'm a feminist, that's important to me, but I am a feminist because I was a misogynist for a long time. I was socialized to, to inhabit misogyny. Um, that's another part of our culture. And so very much, my my way of exploring these topics is less like uh, I used to be just like you, a bad person, and now I'm a good person, um, which is is regularly used to talk about these things. You know, right. my, my my angle is more like I'm just a person doing the best they can, and if we can if we can strip away the the baggage of of <laughs> of, of racism and wokeness and, and those terms as like 
you know, uh, weapons to be used against people and instead just be like, look, I'm just doing my best, but I've learned some stuff. (laughs) And this is what I've learned and this is how I've applied it. And that to me was really important because I, you know, I think whenever you become privy to gross injustices, especially, you know, I grew up in North Carolina. Like I, I didn't believe racism existed anymore. I didn't believe, you know, I didn't, I didn't think a lot of these topics mattered. Um, and to find out about layers and layers of injustice that happen in the world, it can be overwhelming. It paralyzed me for years. You know, yeah. I felt, I felt so overwhelmed by the, the direness of it. You know, and it, it sounds counterintuitive, but a, a part of it, I think, was becoming numb to the reality of just like, yeah, this is how it is. This is how things are. You know, and and the only way that we get to move forward is to rather than be paralyzed by the sense of, of guilt and wonder that this injustice is still happening to integrate what you've learned you know and and try to do a little bit wherever you can to make it better you know and i, I don't always do that but i'm trying you know yeah and so is the is you know talking about these things in your music whether it be race or gender or whatever issue is going on that you feel called to to talk about their music is it is the calling more about wanting to get that message out there and speak on it or is it just through the storytelling process of writing a song you feel called to these things to just talk about them personally I mean because you hear a lot I mean you know about artists and athletes you know the the, the criticism that you know stick to what you do and you know shouldn't right. speak on these you know don't speak on these issues we want to watch you play guitar or play basketball or whatever it might be right, right. but I mean um, you know do you feel called specifically to speak on behalf of these things or is it just naturally sort of taking your experiences of what you've gone through and, and they find their way into songs sure yeah well I'm I'm not a guitarist <laughs> right. you know you know I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a makeshift anthropologist and that's what a lot of storytellers are. We study human beings, we study people and try to understand them, you know, I get, I think that, you know, the stuff that makes me, the stuff that makes me mad is what you're talking about here. It's, it's, it's when people on the right or the left, whatever their political affiliation is, try to ham-fistedly shove a political message into a song. I don't want to be preached at. I don't want to be told what to believe or what's right or what's wrong. I don't want, you know, I I have plenty of family members I can hang out with on the holidays (laughs) on both sides of the aisle that can tell me what to think about things, you know. So for me, like if, if I feel drawn to talk about racism like I did with this song Heritage of Arrogance, that song is not talking about racism. That song is talking about my life. I grew up on a street lined with Confederate flags. That is where I grew up. I went to a church full of all white people. There was not a person in my church that wasn't white. These are just facts. That's just my life. Right. You know, so the fact that that those images play into this greater narrative of exposing racism in the in the sort of like uh, nefarious ways that they that it becomes sewn into our culture, you know, is 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 really just storytelling. You know, so I, I, I mean. I, I, I'll tell you, I, I set out to write a song about abortion rights a few years ago. This is a, this is a, abortion's a, a thing that matters to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I've been a, a vocal, vocal uh, champion of both sides of the abortion debate in my time as a conservative Christian musician and up to now. Um, and I wrote this song about being, I went to a Planned Parenthood and there were some people protesting. I had to get an STD test. <laughs> That's why I was at the yeah. Planned Parenthood. 
but there was this teenage girl in there and uh she was she was early on in her pregnancy and i was just thinking about what a what an awful thing to have to walk past all these people spewing this nasty stuff you know that's like that's disgusting it's a boring why would you do that and i started writing this song about a teenager going to Planned Parenthood trying to navigate and uh and she keeps the baby in the song <laughs> and uh and I wasn't trying to write a, a pro-life song you know mm -hmm. what I mean but sometimes when you channel the ghosts you got to listen to them and this teenager wanted to have the baby you know and I think that's the power of it it's like it's not none of you know none of this is about telling people what to do or how to live it's about giving people the freedom to make the choices that they need to make mm -hmm. to pursue their highest self, you know? Anyway. I, well, I do want to talk about sort of your personal journey as well, because obviously a lot has changed in recent months in your life, I imagine. And I want to get to some of that in a bit. But um, as far as like big life announcements, I guess, since I've known you, um, I know one thing that has been a change is you, you, know, you publicly begin sharing about being non-binary and pansexuality. And um, I'm just curious, you know, somebody who's, um, you know, you're out there in the public, you're, you're, you're telling people, about this they can hear it in your songs but the music that you're writing is sort of synonymous with the south and i know we talked about stereotypes earlier right and that the south is a melting pot of all kinds of people but stereotypically the south is synonymous with not always being accepting of um things like gender and um i'm just curious sort of how that was received um both you know being somebody in the south but also being somebody in uh writing music in a genre that's associated with the south and also just personally but how that journey was for you as far as sharing that but also like i said the other side of how that was re received um either from fans or just i mean people here in knoxville i mean we're in knoxville i'm you know a lot of people know you how was how did that all play out sure i mean i came out um i came out during the pandemic um it was it was uh it was easier that way i think to be to be in that position i don't think i don't think had i had the time to step away from captain redbeard um to step away from all the and I think a lot of people felt this, you know, you step away from the office and you can take off this mask that you have to wear to the office every day. Right. I think some people have a more or less of a mask that they're, but to some extent you have these relationships that you're nurturing them. You might not have chosen to spend time with these books <laughs> if you had the choice, you know what I mean? And um, you guys know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, um, I think having that space to not have to perform in any way really like helped me to step back and like really analyze um, the way gender informed the way that I communicated with people. Um, as far as, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of really supportive messages. Um, a lot of folks in town were really, really kind to me. A lot of folks went out of their way people in the scene here to, to write me that didn't have to, to tell me that they supported me and appreciated me and stood behind me. It meant a lot. Um, you know, I, online there's been, you know, just casual, um, bigotry lobbed in my way, but most of it's by anonymous strangers. It doesn't mean anything. They just see a, you know, what they've prescribed as a man in lipstick and they know how to respond to that, you know, and that's all that is. Um, I did have, you know, <laughs> I played a festival in Farragut and things went really bad. Um, and, uh, what happened there? Maybe you want to talk about it. Yeah. They, they cut my set short. Um, the, the 
the people who run the, the festival to cut my set short. And uh, I didn't know, I just thought we were kind of off schedule or whatever and talked to the band after me and they were like, yeah, we had to start 15 minutes early. It was really weird tonight. Hmm. And I was like, you shouldn't be starting early if I had to end early. And then by the time I left, my phone was blown up with all this, you know, people in Farragut freaked out and said that I was teaching children about gay sex and just, I mean, it was just absolutely obscene. Um, and so I reached out to the people who did the event and asked them if they cut my set short in response to these types of complaints. I didn't hear from them for almost a whole day. So I made a statement about it and said, hey, wait and find out why my set was cut short because this is pretty messed up. Right. Um, and uh, <laughs> they said, yeah, that they did. They were good friends of mine. They never issued an apology, um, told me privately they would and never did. And then, you know, people wrote and asked, you know, for an explanation. And I saw the screenshots where they told people that I was talking about illicit sex in front of children. It's totally untrue. I would never do this. You know, it was a really, really profound personal attack that has made Knoxville feel like it will never be my home again. I will, I will definitely move away from this town feeling like this can't be my hometown because of this event. And it's been really, really tough. It's been really tough. Listen, I guess we're seeing something sort of similar now with the with the drag shows in Knoxville and the and the response people have had over that and and in relation to children being in attendance. And all of it, yeah. all of it is, all of it is political banter that doesn't mean anything. All of this, even 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 abortion at the end of the day, like most of these people don't really care about abortion that are that are putting forth this legislation and handling these things down. You know, this is this is coming from a place of how can we isolate demographics to force their hand in voting for our politicians? That's all any of this is. And you'll note that, you know, this recent protest happened right after the midterms and there's been no mention of any of this stuff. So the only people that are showing up the protest are the people who are too dumb to know that they're being used as a pawn in this political scheme. Because nobody else, it doesn't matter. The elections and then it just goes away on, on, the, on the media stage. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's, 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 you know, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because it riles people up and it does real damage to families. It does real damage. There are kids, there are kids in Tennessee that are never, you know, I'm, I'm not going to hear these Farragut parents saying that it's fair. I, t I will tell you, <laughs> I did, I did stumble on uh, the city council video of the Farragut town hall where they're, <laughs> where they're talking about me. And they were incredibly hateful. It was disgusting. I wish I hadn't found it. It was, I Googled to deem the artist, run this town. <laughs> and this came up and I was like, crap. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it truly is like, the, I wanna say this, I wanna say this because it's really important. Rolling Stone called my album one of the best albums of the year. Like, like my actualization is totally unimpeded by people's like thoughts about my gender. I don't care. It does not matter to me. I spent my months sending over 400 records out <laughs> from my home office. Right. I feel fine. Like, I'm not going to hear people disparage me. I'm not going to hear people disparage my gender. I'm not going to hear people disparage um, in, in, in any of the facets of my identity. But these kids who, like me, don't have language for their own identity 
for their own sexuality, for their own gender, but are feeling estranged from the gender or sexuality they've been socialized to inhabit, are going to hear that stuff. And it's kind of stuff that you can lose your relationship with your kids. And that's like it. That's our, that's what we got. That's our legacy. That's that's how we affect the future. It's that relationship with our kids. And if your kids have any semblance of like identity that's that's not absolutely in line with you and they hear those things that, that you're saying about me, that's really going to affect them, their psychology and your relationship with them. That matters to me. Not because like I need CD sales from people in Tennessee, right. but because this place matters to me. These mountains matter to me. This land matters to me. The people here matter to me. The ones that will call me names and show up in city council and disparage me, they matter. They're people, you know? And, and to me, it's very, it's very frustrating, you know, when people say things like, uh, I don't agree with your lifestyle, but I'm glad you're doing it. And it's like, you go to church every Sunday to a conservative Christian church that preaches against my entire identity. You let your kids go to a Sunday school with a stranger who tells them that because of their guilty conscience at their young age, God had to kill his only son in brutal, brutal, destructive ways to cover your kids' sins. I think that is messed up. I think it's wrong to do, and I would never say that. I would never say to a Christian in Market Square who I know is on their way to church, you look really lovely today even though I disagree with your lifestyle. It's just disrespectful. Why would you do that? They don't have to know that I disagree with their lifestyle. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I think it's really, really important right now. And I say this as somebody who is a member of the transgender community, as a non-binary person, as a queer person, as somebody who was raised Christian and promised to God before I could speak, I think that learning how to occupy shared space in ways that honors each other is really, really important if we're going to survive all this, this these disparate realities. Yeah. And I think it's an overused expression, but in a way, music does have a way of bringing people together with things like this. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah? I hope so. That's my segue into another song. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear another one. Daddy's gonna buy me a brand new gun. Show me how to clean it in the yard. Papa says he can't wait to see me fire with that steady arm. Couple hours of waiting and some heavy concentration put a bullet through the middle of a heart. Everybody's gonna be so glad to see the freezer full of fresh deer meat. Mama's gonna be so proud of me when we get back to the farm. Nights get longer, days get hard. I learned to put a bullet through the middle of a heart. Carlene asked if she could marry me, driving around in daddy's car. I gave her my graduation ring down by the lumber yard. Felt the violent hit of a passionate kiss like a bullet through the middle of a heart. Everybody's gonna be so glad to see her wearing that dress at our wedding. 
Mama's gonna be so proud of me Spinning around with steel guitar Nights getting longer Days stay hard It hits like a bullet through the middle of a heart Daddy paid his service till his time was due His buddy recruits these days Says I could make my country proud and get my education paid Face them fears, make it three years And brother, you'll have it made Everybody's gonna be so glad to see I'm wearing that robe with my degree Mama's gonna be so proud of me God bless the USA Nights get longer Days get hard I learned to put a bullet through the middle of a heart I learned to put a bullet through the middle of a heart Didn't have a grudge to bear To any of the people there But I came home haunted By the lives my duty caused Felt the vibe Felt the barrel's tip Against my rip, put a bullet through the middle of a heart. Everybody's gonna be so sad to see a flag disappearing to the earth with me. Mama, do you think you still believe I'm gonna see the face of God? Nights getting longer, the light goes dark. I've learned to put a bullet through the middle of a heart. I've learned to put a bullet through the middle of a heart It's good that I forget the words <laughs> We all forget the words sometimes I come up here without I my said notes. it was my least favorite I don't know. <laughs> um, well, you mentioned the Rolling Stone recognition for the uh, for the most recent album. Um, obviously, saw the uh, feature in New York Times, Billboard, uh, Brandy Carlisle uh, <laughs> speaking about you, which had to be huge. Um, I'm wondering just if you can describe how much life has changed for you since this recognition started pouring in. And is there any of those that were particularly shocking? I mean, well, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure they were all. Uh, came as at least a little bit of a surprise, but it was anyone that particularly stood out in your mind that um, was really special to you. I mean, it's tough. The, the Brandy Carlisle one came before any of the other ones, I think, and that was, you know, I got like a notification on the social media that she had added me to something. I thought it was a playlist or something. I was like, oh, cool, this is awesome. And so I went to look for it couldn't find it and then i logged on instagram and saw that it was an xm radio show and so i went and got a subscription to xm radio <laughs> and uh pulled it up as quickly as i could and i pulled it up just in time to hear uh brandy's wife say dean the artist and i was like Whoa! <laughs> that's oh, exciting and uh and then i listened for about you know a few minutes while i did the dishes and then she said this next artist we want to talk about and she said her quotes about me and I screamed. I was like, ah! <laughs> you know, like that can't be real. Honey, get in here. We got something <laughs> weird going on. Um, yeah, that was really, that was really a big moment. Um, 
and then um yeah it's just been you know it, it's been a, it's been wild it's been wild i got to to meet some folks who were like heroes to me and become pals <laughs> you know it's um i mean it got to the point by the end of the month where we were all just making jokes about yeah it turns out uh deem the artist white trash rubbery is on uh you know the colonel sanders uh you know shopping grocery list um just because it was on every list yeah. you know it's like um and you know i mean it sounds like i'm being humble but i'm not like we didn't think we were gonna get any best year in this yeah the album came out december 2nd right it was like well we maybe we'll get an honorable mention on stuff next year or whatever um so the first one of those was billboard it was a week after the record came out we were like called one of the top 10 or 15 records or something mm -hmm. and it was like holy crap you know and then the rolling stone and everything so by the time you know i don't know by the end of the month it just we all became numb to it everybody on the team was just like oh looks like the grammys mentioned us <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know yeah um but i mean I'm, I, just as far as like life changes I, I imagine you're doing a lot more of these right i mean you're out probably talking and performing more i mean how is just the yeah. pace of life and just uh, i mean it's Man, dms I, full i mean how, how dms are full social media got ruined for me a little bit yeah, yeah. it's a bummer i i tweeted out and said what was your favorite song on white trash revelry uh as kind of a bit like i always do this and then my friends just roast me you know right but then it was like a bunch of people i didn't know telling me their favorite songs and i was like well, this isn't fun <laughs> yeah. well, what do you say to that like oh thanks <laughs> like that's it feels embarrassing like i didn't mean to ask you to compliment my songs but, I, anyway. I did want to ask white trash revelry versus redneck revelry that was what it initially was was there a reason behind the name change Is no that... redneck fundraiser for redneck white fundraiser trash. okay yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. that's my mistake the record was originally called well no i might call another album now okay we'll, we'll, save it. we'll save it for the next keep it in the pocket yeah. um but yeah i like uh you know we can't say white trash on most of social media <laughs> So we have to type WTR. They pull the post <laughs> immediately. The um, and then of course the question I have to ask too is is the obligatory what's next question. I mean I saw uh, for Knoxville listeners it was big. I saw that you were added to the the big years lineup, which yeah. is exciting. Uh, with the Mountain Goats who are playing, and I understand you're going on tour with two, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm hitting which the road. Which is crazy. Doing so like you want seventeen just, dates with them? Wow. So you just want to talk about sort of what's next? I mean it sounds like said you're going to call another album something so there's another album at some point but what do you yeah. have planned i i've got i've got about three records cooking up i don't know if they'll make it to public or if they'll be patreon things um yeah right now it's it's riding the wave of of the record trying to get people to listen to it still you know um i've been doing stuff like this and talking to people on radio and um I mean, to be honest with you, my pace of life, I mean, part of it's just the timing, you know, like everything in the world shuts down like December 20th mm -hmm. and then it just opened up again like today, right. you know, so like some people haven't even been in the office. So it's tough to say how much my life has really changed because I've been taking it pretty easy. <laughs> I've been That's doing good. it. I got told that I had to come here today and I was like, I gotta leave the house today. <laughs> but also uh, to, just today we announced Wayne Stock. 2023 we haven't done it in a couple of years um but it's a it's a benefit for jc Hahn, who's a local musician who's incredibly talented a bunch of incredible bands are going to be there it's five dollars per night three nights i believe thursday friday saturday and uh, i'm going to be playing 
Friday night, maybe Saturday night. No, you usually do that at the Relics. Is that where it's at? It's at the Relics, okay. yeah, down in Happy Holler. And uh, it's going to be great. It's only five bucks. Way too much talent for that price tag. Uh, it goes to a great cause. And uh, yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming. You mentioned the album, you know, trying to get people to listen to it. If people want to listen to it or people just want to generally keep up with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I'm on Adeem, I'm on AdeemTheArtist.com and at AdeemTheArtist on all my social media. Uh, stuff, but think I, I want to. That was a joke. I'm really glad to be here. I'm grateful <laughs> yeah, that you asked me. You know, I know you are. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity and getting to chat with you. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you, it. You're too. the only person that reached out to me to ask why Joe Biden was taking the music on Spotify. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. But yeah, it's yeah. coming back to me now. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad uh, that did not happen. And I'm glad you are here. And thanks so much for for hanging out, talking, playing some songs, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. Yeah, I would love that. I appreciate it.